Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. It's good to be in the presence of the Lord and to feel his mighty spirit. Amen. It is a privilege, an absolute privilege to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. I'm going I'm to be honest with you today. Uh, well, I'm always honest. I don't know why you say things like that, but in all honesty today, I feel like I've got several thoughts that are just kind of floating around, and so I've asked the Lord to just help me to pull all of this into something that can be systematic and, and bless our heart. I didn't realize that Elder Brother Gibson would be here today, but actually, and I'm honored to see that he is here, but uh, what I want to talk about today was actually, that's fine, that's good. Praise God. What I want to speak on today was actually something born in my heart out of a conversation we had just a few days ago, and uh, I was going to use him in a personal illustration, and it's cheaper to do that if they're not here, and now that I see him here, the price of that went up a little bit, but it'll be worth it, I think. The book of Psalms 34 and 18, the book of Psalms 34 and 18, and then I'm going to go to Matthew 5 and 6. I'll give you my title, and uh, my title will not make perhaps a lot of sense right now, and I'm not just doing that for effect, but I just didn't know any other way to handle it. But the book of Psalms 34 and 18, and then Matthew 5 and 6, the Bible says from the writing of David, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. In the Beatitudes that we find in the book of Matthew chapter 5, in in verse 6 we read, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Amen. I feel like I have a tremendous task before me today because I truly feel burdened to, to share what is on my heart. And so I want us to just pray and ask the Lord to just step in among us today and touch our minds. And I understand there's a lot of things perhaps waiting on for you on the other side of this service and, and, and life will all be there. But as best we can, let's come to church mentally, physically, spiritually, and let's just abide here for a while and let the Lord speak to our heart. I love you today. I thank you, God, for the privilege that you have given me to once again preach your word and to speak about these powerful precepts, God, that are forever settled. They're yea and amen. And I am very, very honored today not only to be called to preach your word and teach your word, but I feel doubly honored today to be allowed and afforded the opportunity to be the pastor of this church and this great congregation. And I ask you to help us today as we consider your word. Let it be that lamp 
And let it be that light that we need it to be for here and now and into our future. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And you, you can be seated if you would like to um, uh, just keep your Bibles handy. I want to, in a few moments, give you some scriptures and we'll be abiding there for a little while. I think it's fair to say that God is drawn to humility and hunger. Amen. God is drawn to that. And so when we look at the scripture, there are many, many examples. I didn't want to just try to compile an exhaustive list, but we find the Lord responding to these two elements of of desire and hunger. Blind Barnabas was healed, and I believe he was healed as a direct result of his desire for the Lord to touch him. He would not be quieted. He he would not be intimidated by those around him. The woman with the issue of blood, again, much the same. She was healed because she pressed through the crowd. She was not willing to be off-put because a little bit of difficulty came her way and she had to press her way. Zacchaeus was privileged to have a personal visitation from the Lord in his home. And all of that, again, was an end result of a man who said, I must do whatever is necessary in order to see the Lord. And there was that hunger and that desire. And again, uh, the list I'm sure could go on and on. And perhaps you've already considered a couple yourself. But God is drawn to hunger and desire. God is drawn to humility. And I believe that the Lord, when the Lord senses hunger in a heart, that he can and will do whatever is necessary to work on both ends of that spectrum to make sure that our spiritual needs are met. Cornelius was a great example of that as he began to pray and serve the Lord in the privacy of his own life, if you want to put it that way, and and God saw the desire in his heart, recognized the hunger in his life, and saw that consistency, and so the Lord began to work on both ends. We know that Saul of Tarsus was a man that had wrecked havoc upon the church. Nevertheless, whenever something in his life changed, that desire for him and a hunger, and when humility was introduced into his life, the Lord had an apostle that he began to deal with on the other side of that equation and said, you need to get to Saul and you need to talk to him and teach him. So that hunger and that desire stirs heaven and heaven is always engaged by those things. And so I have, I have taken consolation myself personally many times through the years that I don't believe that God would ignore my hunger. I may have a lot of quirks like all of us. I may have a lot of things that the Lord has to work through and with and around, but I believe that God can sense our hunger and honor that. And so he is moved by desire. I'm going to ask you to join me in the book of Acts chapter 16. And if you just want to keep your Bibles there, this is where we're going to camp out for a little while. There's a familiar story that's shared in this passage and it's A story ultimately that begins in chapter 15 with two men, Paul and Silas, preaching the gospel. One of the things that we discover is that 
God has called them to preach in various places and they were certainly apostles going from city to city and planting churches and, and establishing those works and then moving on to another uh, city without a church, without uh, this message being pl- uh, preached. And so as they went, uh, their, their, uh, their mindset was just to preach the gospel and to establish churches. That's what they were doing. However, in verses 6, 7, and 8, the, the Bible says somewhat oddly that they desired to go into certain cities, but the Lord forbid them to go. And it, that just seems very, very odd because here are men that are committed to preaching the gospel, taking the gospel to cities who had not heard the gospel, and yet the Lord was closing doors. It would seem odd that God would close doors when they were doing something as noble as spreading the gospel. But that's exactly what happened. I think all of us today could, certainly in this adult setting, I think all of us today could can relate to having faced seasons of our lives of closed doors. We were just moving along and then all of a sudden it's as though all of heaven just shut up and life around us just shut down. Quite frankly, that can be a very confusing thing when you feel like you're doing the right thing. And you have had some success with what you're doing in the past and then all of a sudden you just come to this wall or this barrier that for whatever reason just can't be penetrated. And so we're walking in the will of God. We're not doing something sinister. We're not trying to do something uh, that would serve our own purpose or our own agenda, but we're just trying to further the gospel of the Lord. And then all of a sudden all of heaven just shuts down. And so I want to take a closer look if we can together today and maybe each and every one of us to some degree can find ourselves, as well as we can also see how that God used these closed doors to ultimately get Paul and Silas where he wanted them to be. Amen. Amen. So every closed door and every nuance of life is not always the devil at work. It's not always hell fighting you. Sometimes heaven closes a door. Sometimes heaven shuts off a passage because we know where we think we should be or what we think we should do, but God, and and I want you to pardon this rather juvenile illustration, but God has an aerial view. He sees this from a completely different perspective. He's seeing the whole picture. We can only live at best just one moment at a time. We're relegated to time, and we can only live one moment at a time. We can't see not 30 seconds ahead of ourselves here today and God sees it all, the beginning from the end. And so we have to understand that as God has this ultimate aerial view of our lives, he knows exactly what he's doing. And so when we walk and encounter some of these frustrating and confusing seasons spiritually of our lives, we just have to put our trust and our confidence in him. Amen. I believe that the Lord used these closed doors, as I said, to get them where they needed to be. And and in life, I think there are many significant lessons that we can learn. I've often said it's a shame that you can't live life backwards. (laughs) You, You learn all these lessons and you have all this wisdom and guess what? It's time to wave goodbye. You have all of this that you could offer, all that you could give 
And, and, and now it seems as though, you know, the best thing we can do is what Paul said to Timothy, the word that's been committed to you, what's been committed to you, commit that into other people. You know, I, I want to just as a sidebar here, I'm thankful that we live in a generation today that seems to be more willing to share the things of their life with the generation behind them than some that have gone on before. Because I can tell you that we have buried treasure troves of knowledge, wealth. Uh, I'm not talking about monetary wealth, but I'm just talking about knowledge and things that, uh, oh, it would have been wonderful, wonderful if someone had just been willing to break off pieces of themselves and plant that in another generation. And so I want to speak to our elders today, and, and please don't ever think you don't have anything to give. And if I could speak to the younger ones, I would say today, please don't think that you don't have room in your life to receive something. Amen. Let's listen. Amen. Sit down and let the Spirit of the Lord impart some things into our lives. Amen. In life, significant things, significant things we learn. One of them being this. There are times that that things are withheld from us for our own spiritual good. That's a hard lesson to learn sometimes. That the things that we want and we think would be a shoe that would fit well, we think it would be a garment that would just fit well the, uh, the, the particular place that we are in our life, and it seems as though God is withholding something from us. We have to learn that at times God withholds some things from us for our own spiritual good. And so in our walk with God, there will be times that doors will just close. That's a part, I think, of a lot of our prayer often. If we are, we are walking in an unsure place, I ask the Lord all the time. I remind him, you, are, you can open doors and you can close doors. And if this is not right, I want you to close the door. If this is not where I need to be, don't even let the door open. And we pray that sincerely. And so in this passage of Scripture before us, we see these doors of Acts 16, 6, 7, and 8 that have been closed to the Apostle Paul. It appears as though God is saying no, and certainly I am fairly confident that they didn't know why. There may be many times that, close, that God closes doors because that's not where we're supposed to be, or there may be other times that God closes doors perhaps to test our character to try the metal of what our life is really made of, to try the fabric of who we are. And so the question isn't really whether or not we can serve God when things are going our way. Amen. But how are you going to handle it and how am I going to handle it when certain doors don't open when we think they should or certain prayers aren't answered that we just knew God was going to answer. There will be times in our walk with God that it, it does seem as though everything just comes to a standstill. Amen. To be sure, seasons of this nature can drain our strength. It can leave us weary. It can challenge our faith when we just wonder what in the world is going on. It seems like I was making such great forward progress and now it seems as though I'm just stymied. I'm in a rut, in a hole that I can't pry myself out of. And so that's when our character is being tested and tried. I will further tell you that often that's when our character is being developed. <laughs> that God is putting something in us that helps us to learn the value of waiting. Amen. So the question now comes, can we still pray? When heaven seems to be silent. 
I mean, it's absolutely fun to pray when you feel like everything you're saying is being heard and you feel that warm presence of the Lord, but can you still pray when heaven is silence? And can we still serve God when it seems as though we can't hear his voice? Because there are seasons of our lives that way. Amen? Not, not just a day or two or perhaps not even a week, but seasons of our lives that we can't seem to hear that clear and concise voice of God and we have to serve him anyway. Amen. Can you press through the hardship and can we face seasons and times of criticism and misunderstandings and misgivings and can we do the will of God even when it's difficult? Those are real questions. Those are real questions. In those seasons when God seemingly takes a couple of steps back out of our life, we've been there. When we didn't commit sin, we didn't, haven't gotten ourselves involved in things that we shouldn't be involved in, but it just seems like the Lord just kind of stepped out of our life. We know he's there, but he's just there at a distance. Amen? We have to wrestle with our disappointments and wrestle with those frustrations. And I, I understand that it's not a popular passage. We, we like those scriptures that talk about him being nigh unto us. I'll be with you all the way even to the end. But, but there is an unescapable passage of scripture that's found in the life and the trial of Job whenever he could not find him, even though he sought him on every side. The Lord could not be found of Job. Now, God's not into playing games and he wasn't toying with Job. And as I say often, God wasn't trying to flex his muscles to prove that he was still God. But God was developing some character, something deep within the heart and the fiber of this man we know as Job. And so when God closes the door, the true test of our faithfulness now comes into play when that door is closed and when that job opportunity we thought was ours didn't happen or when we thought that whatever, we thought everything was shaping up and this was sure to be our future and then all of a sudden the door closes and we wonder what are we going to do and where to from here. Amen. That's when our true test, are we going to continue to serve? Are we going to continue to love him? Are we going to do that without wrinkles in our spirit and in our attitude and in our character? Amen. In the passage of scripture, that we're considering today, there seems to be a strange paradox. The Holy Ghost is certainly, without a doubt, leading Paul and Silas to various cities to start churches and to plant them and to develop congregations and then move on to other unchurched cities. There is absolutely no doubt that this is what God is leading them to do and this, in fact, is what they have been doing There's no doubt that this journey is also marked by certain seasons that doors were closed. There were four cities, to be specific, that they tried to go to that there was no way to get there, that that the door closed, the, the door of opportunity closed. The Spirit of the Lord was, if I may say, the Spirit of the Lord was at the same time both leading and blocking, both opening and closing. Amen. I think it's an interesting, I think another interesting point of this passage is this, that the Lord never ever comes out and ever explains to Paul exactly what to do or even indicates that 
Paul, let me just kind of tell you what's going on. Let me fill you in. Let me let you in. It's just one door is open and another door is closed. One time there is success, another time there is no. There is resistance. And in those times, we have to say, Lord, I understand that you see more than I can see. You understand more than I will ever understand. And so I put my trust and my confidence in you completely, 100%. Amen. This series of doors that's being closed, that could have left a negative, (coughs) that could have left a negative impact upon the life and the ministry of, of Paul. However, if we were able to see, as I mentioned again, this aerial view, if we were able to see this aerial view, we would have a better understanding. Paul would have had a better understanding. He could have backed away and said, okay, now I get it. But you see, we live in the absence of that knowledge. We live in the absence of that foreknowledge. And so we live one day at a time and have to trust that wherever we are, God has ordered our steps a prayer that we should pray often is order my steps in your word. Amen. The Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And so, um, amen, this is the day, the scripture says, that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord hath made. And sometimes our days are blanketed with sorrow. Sometimes our days are blanketed with far more questions and answers. But we say this is still the day that the Lord hath made. No matter how stormy it is, no matter how much rain is falling, no matter how heavy the wind is blowing, this is still the day that the Lord hath made. Amen. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Paul had plans for reaching the great cities of Asia and that was an important thing. He wasn't trying to do this for the sake of legacy. He wasn't trying to do this so that his name would be, uh, would be written on towers. He, he wasn't trying to do this so someone would know him or remember him. He was doing this so someone would know the Lord and remember the Lord. But you, you, even, even when you're doing important things, there are times that the Lord said, today that's not priority. Paul had the wrong timing. Now, these cities would be reached, but just not now. Again, Paul was never given a reason for why his plans were rejected. The doors were just simply closed. Yet Paul did what he was called to do, which was preach the gospel. And so if the door is closed here, I will just go where the doors are opened. I mean, there's some, I think, great advice from this lesson about God closing doors. And that is this, is that when God closes doors, we cannot allow disappointment to disarm our faith. We just cannot allow, we just cannot build our hopes and dreams on this one event or this one thing so much so that we allow disappointment to disarm our faith. Well, this didn't work. And this didn't work out the way I thought it was going to work out, but I'm still determined to serve the Lord and I'm going to stay faithful to Him. I'm going to do what He would have me to do. We got to continue to do what we know to do. If I were to ask you today, how many people have questions about the Scripture? How many people have questions about this subject or that subject? I'm sure that we could, uh, we could get to a place where almost every, at least at one point, almost every hand would be raised. And so 
Today we're not asking you to do what you don't understand or don't know how to do, but we need to move and act on what we do understand. And it's in that act of obedience of what we already know, the revelation that we already have that he can give us even more revelation. So wherever we find ourselves in life, there are some fundamental things that we just can't afford to lose sight of. We always have to keep praying. Prayer is always right. And so when I am as lost as I can possibly be, when I am as confused as I can possibly be, I know there are some fundamental things that never change. They don't go up, they don't go down. The economy of these things always stays the same. And so I must continue to pray. I must, in seasons of high and seasons of low, continue to exercise the principle of fasting. Amen, that that helps me to keep my flesh under control and remind my flesh that you are not the boss, but the Spirit of the Lord is the boss. Amen, the Word of God, I must bathe myself in the Word of God. The Scripture we read in the Scripture of Ezekiel where Ezekiel was commissioned to eat the loaf. Amen. Eat the word of God, to ingest the word of God. I think that's more than just a casual acquaintance with something. Amen. But to be in the word of God, I think that it's always right to be a witness for the Lord, to let our light so shine before men, not that they see us, but that they see God that's working in us. I think it's always fundamentally right to keep our heart pure, to keep our spirit right and our motives right. I think it is always right to come to church. Amen. So be in church. We have got to be in the house of God. There are just some things that I can't afford to lose sight of. No matter how many doors have closed, no matter what's going wrong in my life, I've got to be a person of prayer. I've got to be a person of fasting. I've got to be a person that's in the word of God. I need to be a witness to the world around me. I need to be faithful to the house of God because it's here. This is where I'm going to get my strength. This is where I'm going to get my refreshing and my renewing. Amen, I've got to keep my heart right. I've got to keep my spirit right. (laughs) There are just some fundamental things I can't afford to let go of. And so I can't let the devil take advantage of my disappointment. Sure, there are some things that haven't worked out right. And sure, there are some unfulfilled promises, it seems as though, at least by our calculations along the way. But I'm not going to let the devil twist that to the point that he robs my faith. Because disappointment can cause you to just... Want to give up. Give in. And it's okay to amen that. Because if we're honest, we've all been there. Just that juniper tree moment where we say, it's enough. <laughs> but if you just abide there long enough, God will again respond to hunger. <laughs> and God will respond to desire. Here's a man at his lowest ebb in his life, recorded for the whole world to read it again and again and again and again. But God recognized that beyond his frustration, beyond his fear, beyond his disappointment, there was some hunger, some desire. And so the angel of the Lord visited him and said, you need to eat, you need to get your sandals on. We've got a long way to go. Your life's not over. It's not over. We've got to rise and, and move and move into the into the will of God, Amen. So, if we're not careful, when when 
closed doors or unanswered prayers. I, I, ever how you want to uh, tagline that. If, if we're not careful, those things can jade our spiritual character. And if those things change who we are, it is probably that alone that will disqualify us from making it to the next door or taking the next step. Amen. We have to learn how to keep our shoulders square even in disappointing times to just press on. Amen. We have to keep the faith. Galatians 6 and 9 said, let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we, we shall reap if we faint not. That's a promise. That is a promise of pressing on. And so here again, I know I've taken a little bit of an exit ramp here, but here again are a man by the name of Paul and Silas that are going from city to city, close open doors, revival, established churches, and then all of a sudden closed doors, closed doors, closed doors, closed doors. They could have sold their Bible. <laughs> they could have packed it all in. Said, so, well, we just must be finished. Our God, and please excuse this analogy, or we may see that God truly sees us as pawns on a chessboard of life. They said, I need to move you here. And the reason you're here is not about here. I just have you here because I'm trying to get you here. And when you get here, don't dig a footer and don't drive the tent stakes down too deep because here is not necessarily about here. Here is just about trying to get you there. <laughs> Amen. Some of us saw our life right there. Amen. We, we watched our life that, that we, we were here and we thought this is all about this. And God said, not really at all. This, this is a season. This is a moment. But I'm trying to get you somewhere else. So don't be weary in well-doing. And so one thing that we have to know in our walk with God, and, and I'm not just trying to sound cliche here, but but as and certainly not original with me, but I heard years ago someone say that delay is not necessarily denial. It's not no, it's just not now. Amen. And so God may be trying to lead us to something greater than we could ever dare dream or imagine. And so what would happen if we settled for less? And so some of the most noble efforts and some of the most noble goals have had their delays. They certainly have naturally and spiritually. And the devil would like to buy us, like us to buy into the idea right there that something must be wrong. Because it seems like we're up against this huge delay. It seems like we're just suspended in this murkiness of nothing. And so we must be out of the will of God. This must be wrong. The devil would love to convince us right then at that moment. But I will tell you today that that is not, that is not the case at all. God may just stop something in its tracks to see how we're going to respond. What will we do in the meanwhile? Just because something hasn't happened in a certain time frame, amen, does not mean that it's not going to happen at all. Amen. And you know, if we're not careful, the devil right there will get in our mind and say, so, well, if you just had more faith, if you just prayed more, if you just fasted more, if you just read the Bible more, anybody ever been there? If, 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 and I'm not suggesting there's not room for improvement in all those areas, but you can believe that the enemy of our soul, the tormentor of our future is certainly going to try to seize that moment and just say, well, if you were this and if you were that, then perhaps all this would have come together. The fact of the matter is this. In Acts 16 and 9, Paul has a dream. 
closed door, closed door, closed door, closed door. He could have been bitter. He could have been angry. He could have said, man, I've risked life and limb for this. <laughs> but I believe that a man that has this kind of vision had to have his heart right. I think I'm safe in saying that somewhere in the middle of all these no's, he kept his spirit right. And God could still speak to him. God could still show him something. Amen. And that part is undeniable. So therefore, all the delays really had nothing to do with the man. It had everything to do with the will of God. Amen. And so now, Acts 16 and 9, amen, this passage, and we'll get there in just a moment, the desire that God places in our soul, that longing, that hunger that God plants in our soul is merely the preparation process for what God is going to do in the future. I've said a lot of times I felt early, as early as I can ever remember, a call to the ministry upon my life. But I didn't start preaching the minute I felt the call. There was, God put a desire, God put a hunger. He put something in my heart, amen. But there was a preparation process. And there always has to be a preparation process. I'm thankful that people long to be a lawyer and they long to be a doctor or they long to have whatever vocation in life, but there are very, very few things in life that you can just long for one minute and become the next minute. There is a process involved in that and that's what God is working in that process. Those are incredibly important miles that we walk with the Lord. And so faith, that faith that what God has planted in our heart is much like a seed. It's planted, but it's gonna take time for that to come to pass. You put the seed in the soil, but there's some things that have to happen and this is not only nature, amen, but this is also scriptural, amen. That seed has to die. Isn't that what the scripture says? And isn't that what literally has to happen that we place that seed in the ground? But if that seed never dies to itself, then it will never give birth, amen, to what God is really wanting to give birth to. And so it's gonna take time before those things come to pass. And so a closed door is not denial from the Lord. Amen, it's a time for that seed to die in the ground. I'm gonna tell you, God has closed some doors in my life. I'll use me and maybe I won't offend myself. But God has closed doors in my life because there were parts of Steve that weren't dead enough yet. And if I let you step into what I have destined for your future right now, Steve is going to ruin this. You're going to ruin this. Your flesh, because you're not dead enough. <laughs> you're not dead enough. I, uh, many years ago, I had an automobile accident and broke my right leg, and, and I had to go back and have my leg reset three times three times and so I went back on the final time and so I went in the doctor said that we're going to give you an, an, an injection of something and, and, uh, and so in a little while he, they gave me, the nurse gave me an injection he came back in the room he said how you feeling so I'm, I'm feeling fine I'll be back in a little while he said after a while he came back in and said how you feeling I said well I feel, I, I feel a little bit woozy he said I'll be back in a little while when he got back in the last time 
I felt like I weighed about 900 pounds. I said, I don't even think I can move. He said, we're ready. <laughs> we're ready. And, and so it is this waiting process. That he could have given me the injection and he could have said, you know, I gave him pain medication. I gave him something, but I, I, I wasn't dead enough. I wasn't dead enough. And so sometimes we have to get dead enough and the seed has to get dead enough that it will give up its fruit. A seed doesn't look like much in your hand. We've held various seeds in our hand. It doesn't look like a whole lot. You can hold a seed and think, what could this possibly do? But if you just put it in the ground and let it die and let, let the Lord, just give it some time and see what happens. And so a closed door may give us room for a season. It may give room certainly for a season of disappointment in your life. But given time, that may be the very door that God is using for a, a tremendous revival. And that's a word that I don't want to use loosely there, but a tremendous revival in our own life. And so we can't let a closed door be taken as a season of denial. It's just God preparing our life to do more than we could ever imagine. And so if we know that <clears throat> closed doors are necessary in our walk with God, now let's look back at Acts 16 and 9 again. The Bible says, and the, <clears throat> and the vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. I'm going to go back to my opening comments. Desire and humility. Amen. Someone had to have enough desire and humility to ask and to seek. And God responded. <laughs> God responded to desire and humility. Amen. After that, verse 10, and, and after he had seen the vision, immediately... We endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Amen. Here was great opportunities before them, planting churches, establishing churches. They were doing what God had called them to do, and all of a sudden, closed door, closed door, closed door, closed door, but they kept their heart right. They kept their spirit right. They kept their character before God right, and God said, I can still use them. I can still speak to them. They're not angry. They're not bitter. They're not wrong side out, and so in the middle of the night, God gives Paul a vision, a very clear vision, a man from Macedonia that says, come Come and help us. Come and help us. And so here's what we want to understand today, that the devil wants us to get so frustrated over closed doors that we cannot press into our future. Amen. I'm reaching and preaching for someone this morning. Amen. Not talking at you. Amen. But I'm speaking to you. Amen. That the devil would love nothing more than a closed door to get you so spiritually frustrated, to get me so spiritually frustrated that it would circumvent us stepping into our future. Amen. But I say, Lord, help us this day to iron out the wrinkles of our heart, of our spirit, and speak to us as you will, Lord, and speak freely. Amen. Because if the enemy can get us fretting and worrying about closed doors, amen, to such an extent that we can become spiritually paralyzed. Amen. Afraid uh, to take the next step. Amen. The task of the enemy is to keep us at all points 
for moving forward. But Paul did just what faithfulness called him to do when the door closed. Amen, I'll tell you that every great revival, every great church, every great life, every great ministry, amen, all began by God speaking and he spoke expressly to someone and that someone responded today. I don't want to belabor the issue, but I want to tell you that this very local church as well as many, 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 many others across our fellowship was an end result of somebody hungering and desiring and having the humility to pray. Oh Lord, if there's any truth to this, send somebody my way. And God always responds to hunger. He always responds to humility. Amen. So it was a simple prayer that was offered up. A simple prayer that was prayed. But God said, I've got an evangelist here that I'll send you. And God said, I've got a pastoral family that I'll send here to nurture you and guide you. I'm gonna tell you today, don't give up in your season of closed door. Don't give up in your season of being suspended and you feel that heaven is silent and God does not hear our prayer. It's what we do right here. Amen. I want us to look beyond the vision. Amen. When we look beyond this vision, we see some tremendous things. Quickly, I want us to look at the remainder of this passage and watch it as it unfolds. So here's Paul and Silas. They finally make it to Macedonia. When they come in verses 13, 14, and 15, they come up to a ladies' prayer meeting beside the water. It was through this prayer meeting that we were introduced to Lydia. And Lydia became a very important personality in the New Testament. She was baptized. She and her whole house but God is not done. He is not finished. He is not finished. In verses, that, that seems to be a positive thing. We've made it to Macedonia. Here's ladies that are praying. Now we've baptized Lydia and her whole household. Just when things are going pretty good, we come to verse 16, and it came to pass as we went to prayer that a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us which brought her masters, this is a very key sentence, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same, this young lady, followed Paul and us and cried, saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, not the girl, to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ come out to come out of her and he came out the same hour. And when her master saw, going back all the way now to verse number 16, referring to that much gain coming out of her soothsaying, when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and to the rulers and brought them to the magistrate, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. Wow. I'm not trying to bore you. Building churches, establishing churches... <laughs> buying property, painting signs. 
Closed door, closed door, closed door, closed door. A vision in the night, come to Macedonia, ladies' prayer meeting, Lydia's baptized, her whole family's baptized. We're in the will of God. Bam. Now they're in prison. What in the world? What in the world? You would think the people would have been thankful to have the young girl delivered of an evil spirit, but that wasn't the case at all. Because when she got free, other people lost their income. Now Paul and Silas have been beaten and thrown into jail. I think it's very important to note that all of this was, you ready? The will of God. (laughs) Where are you, Paul? See, wipes the blood from his nose. I'm in the will of God. (laughs) I'm in the will of God. leads us to one of the most notable instances of all New Testament scripture, Acts 16 and 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And one voice turned to two and two to four and four to eight. And after a while, the jail is singing and praise is coming up. Amen. At midnight, in more than one way, it was midnight. It was a midnight moment in their life. Nevertheless, they prayed and sang praises unto the Lord. Verse 26, and suddenly there was a great, there was a great earthquake. I'm going to ask our musicians to come, if you will. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, He drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house Amen. Now, he told him to believe and all his house would be saved. But if you keep reading verse 33, they did more than just believe. He took them the selfsame hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Amen. Now, Acts 16 and 9, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And I said, God is drawn to desire. We often wonder how the Lord is going to reach the world with the gospel, and I'm not here today to suggest that I have the answer. But we, in our certainly in our Western culture way of thinking, we, we sort of think that the way God's going to win the world is it's going to have, there's going to have to be some kind of special meeting. And I'm not denouncing or belittling any of the things that I'm fixing to say, but we think there's going to be a revival, a crusade, or there's going to be something there. Somebody will hand somebody a track. Somebody will, somebody will hear a radio broadcast. Somebody will hear something. And that's how the, the gospel is going to reach the world. But I'm not sure that that's how it's going to play out. I come now to our conversation a few days ago. 
Brother Gibson would not be uncomfortable with me mentioning this, but Brother Gibson was not a man exposed to church in his young life, and he knew nothing about the Lord. But the Lord began to deal with him. He's here today, and he can correct me on any of these points. God began to deal with him. And so it was that that moment that he had a decision to make. Am I going to open myself or will I close myself? I'm going to slide out here on some thin ice and I hope none of you brought a hammer to church with you, but the Bible does say when, when Jesus sent the disciples, he said, if you go into a city and they will not receive you, to shake the dust. And so I truly believe that, that we, with the gift of our will, have the privilege to receive that drawing or reject that drawing. And as I was sitting having this conversation with my friend a few days ago and I began to wonder how many millions of times that same scenario has played out all over the world where God would just start dealing with someone. And either we're going to respond positively to that and say, you know what, I, I don't know anything about God. I don't know anything about this. And you know, when he began to respond positively to the Lord, dealing with him about that, the Lord already had some people, amen, some of them sitting in this room today, God already had some people lined up. And he said, now all I got to do is get Bob Gibson over here with this group. All I, I got to just let these lies intersect and friend, the rest is history. I'm just using my friend here today, but can I tell you that's the same for every one of us, amen, no matter where we were, if you knew nothing about God, if you knew nothing about the church, if you didn't know how to spell Bible, when the Lord begins to deal with our heart, amen, God will move on that desire. I believe today the reason that there are churches in third world countries and the reason that there are villages around our world today that have the gospel preached is because the Lord dealt with somebody's heart and they responded to that and God said, you know what? Amen. You may be in Zimbabwe. You may be in this most remote jungle over here, but I've got somebody, amen, I've got somebody in, I've got somebody in Portland, Oregon. I'll stir them. Hey, we were we just had a missionary just a few weeks ago, amen, that said that they were home pastoring a church. They've been pastoring, I think, in the neighborhood of 20 years, am I right? And God began to deal with them about an island, amen, that needed the gospel preached to them. I'm gonna tell you that God can connect the dots. Yes, he can. He's just looking for desire. Now here's a, frightening, here's a frightening thought that I want to leave you today with. Amen. By the same token, while I think men and women have responded positively to the drawing of God, I also believe that there are regions of our world Amen. The Bible talks about cities, not just individuals. I believe there could be, I believe there could be people, amen, that said, you know what? We don't want that. We're going to reject that. And so God is just going to move on to find somebody else today. I'm telling you that when the Spirit of the Lord starts drawing us, that's an important time in your life because God responds to desire. God responds to humility. Amen. Yes, He does. And so I believe that God can do that. Amen. I believe that God can do that. Now, I'm going to just leave you. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm just going to leave you with this thought, and I'm not trying to start anything at all.
<laughs> but I'm going to ask you in closing this question. And it's, it doesn't really matter, but it's just a thought. Was the man from Macedonia in Paul's dream in verse 9, the jailer? There was a man from Macedonia that said, come help us. Well, okay. We'll have to shut a few doors. I'm going to send you to a seaside prayer meeting first. You're going to baptize Lydia there, her whole house. This pesky girl. These are the men of God. These are the men of God. What now? What now? Hang on, hang on. I'm trying to get you somewhere. Hang on, hang on. They do a noble thing. They cast the evil spirit out of this girl. You would think they're going to have a parade in their honor. But they beat them and they put them in jail. And a man shows up at work that day and somebody says, watch them. Keep an eye on them. Paul has no idea. Just for your pure thoughts, this may have been who God was trying to get Paul to all along. All along. Now, it's not going to make heaven any sweeter or any more bitter if I'm right or wrong about that. The truth of the matter is, in theory, that God knows all along where he's trying to get us and who he's trying to connect us to. And sometimes we're looking at our bloody nose and we're thinking, this makes no sense. Jail? Really? We're beaten? Really? But that same night, he was baptizing his whole house. Amen. Don't ever discount how long it may take to get you from where you are now to what God has shown you. Praise God. I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm saying today. God shows us some things and kind of in our rapid way of life and living, we kind of think, man, we're probably 30 days out from this, 60 days out, 90 days out, maybe five years. And if we're not careful, we can lose hope of the things that God has shown us in our life. But I'm telling you today that if God has ever given us any promise, we need to hold on to it against the toughest storms of life that assail us because he may be trying to get us to that man from Macedonia. Amen. Lord, I love you today. I'm asking you to strengthen us. Let our faith be what it should be today. Let our hope and our confidence be what it should be today. I pray this afternoon, Lord, that your presence, your spirit, your anointing will touch all the ministries of this church, God, as we dismiss from this house in a... In just a few mere moments, God, and we go into a field and we go into a field of labor, Lord, uncertain of where that seed will fall. I pray that we will not lose hope of the visions and the sight that you have given us. In Jesus' name.
This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.